0: Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Undivided. I'm going to get you to do it one more time. Turn to the person beside you. Say, neighbor. I'm going to be honest with you. God has called us to be undivided. Turn to the person on the other side, say, neighbor. I'm going to be honest with you. you were my second choice. that got real personal right there that cut real deep right there. But God has called us to be undivided. This concept of an undivided life is speaking to the, the the functioning of our heart. God has called us to be people with an undivided heart. That means a heart that is focused. That means a heart that is unmixed. Another way you could put it is a heart of purity. In the book of Psalm, chapter 86, the, the poet writes this, God, give me an undivided heart. In other words, God, set for me the target that I'm aiming for. But then also give me the courage on the inside to hit that target. Give me the focus on the inside to not be distracted, not be disillusioned, not delayed, not be discouraged, and and, and in the process, miss the mark. Help me to hit the mark that you've laid out for me. Last week, we talked about what it is to to be double-minded, to say, well, yes and no. Uh, You know, like a little this, a little of that, and and to kind of go back and forth, or some would say to flip-flop. To, I have this conviction, oh, but I have this feeling. How am I going to live according to conviction or according to the, the feeling and to find ourselves going back and forth? God has called us to be people who don't just listen to his word but put it into practice and do what he says or else we find ourselves tossed about like a wave where the, the, like the, the level of our faith or our conviction is here one day and then it's down here the next and we're, we're inconsistent in the way We live our lives. There's something about a mature person, I think you could put it in other words, that they are a consistent person. They're consistent. When things are going bad, there's still something beautiful coming out of them. When things are are going good, they don't forget to be committed to the things that got them there. You know what I'm talking about, that person who is consistent in season and out of season. You say, Pastor, but, but things change. Of course they do. There are seasons of life. There are seasons where we're growing, just like a, a tree. There's like a summer season of growth. There is a fall season where there's good things being harvested from our lives. And by God, there's a winter season, a time where it feels like nothing is changing. And yet on the inside, in the roots of our life, where we're rooted down deep, there's still life flowing. And then there's a springtime coming. How many people are excited for the springtime? There is a springtime coming, not only in our city, but in our lives, a springtime coming. Coming where there's this promise of new life. New life that brings growth, new life that brings fruit. And it comes for those the consistent who, who bear fruit in season, the Bible says. And in Psalm chapter 1, it says that the righteous are like a tree planted by a stream of living water that bears fruit in season, that has roots that are being edified and built up by the, the, the promises of God, and then the fruits that come out of their life are something beautiful. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. I'm just getting a little bit excited. Today, if you're taking notes, uh, you can write down this. This is the title of today's message, Adjust. Adjusting settings, adjusting the settings, adjusting the settings. How many photographers in the room? Anybody anybody fancy themselves a photographer? I mean, you have a phone, so you're a photographer, right? You know how to use a couple of filters, and so you're a photographer. I figure if, if you have at least one app, either than Instagram, that you like to edit your photos in, it's because somewhere deep down inside, you feel... I'm kind of a photographer-ish. And then there's that next level uh, of photographer where, where it's not just your phone, okay? You've got, you've got an actual camera that you've invested in. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean you are a photographer, but it helps you to feel like one. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You got a camera and, uh, and it's got like a neck strap. So whether or not you take a photo doesn't matter. It's a great prop. Right, it's a great prop in the city. If you roll into a coffee shop with the, the camera just like that, and, and then even though it's got a neck strap, you don't just let it hang. It's not just dangling. You kind of hold it, just cradle it with one hand. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and while you are ordering your coffee, you're just sort of cradling it that the barista might notice. Then while they're making your coffee, you're just fiddling with things. No one knows exactly what you're doing. Are you looking back through old photos you've taken? Are you just polishing the screen? We're not really sure, but you're fiddling. Then the coffee comes, and the real action begins, right? The focus is being pulled. And and, and here's here's like a photographer, right? They take a photo, and then then they do one of these. Uh, And then they start fiddling. They start adjusting things, and then they take... Another photo. You with me? You know you know the people. I was talking the other day with Brett. Brett, uh, he leads our, our photo team here at Vivid. In fact, if you want to serve on a team, you'd love to get to know Brett and serve on the photo team. And I was saying, I got this camera, and uh, you know, this camera, uh, it, it sometimes makes me feel as though I'm, I'm a photographer, but the reality is, I just leave it on the default settings. Okay? Because I'm like, man, this camera's good, and I invested in it, and it takes like pretty, pretty good photos, right? You with me? I mean, not bad, but. (laughs) See, what happens when I start fiddling too much, what started out good gets a little bit off track. Are you with me? I start adjusting settings and stuff because I'm not really sure exactly how to adjust the settings. Like, I'm not sure what the B means as opposed to the A, V. And so, but I do know what that A means. It means automatic. I kind of like I like the defaults that You pulled it out of it, and you're like, "This is just gonna work for me." I like this. This is see, like these are gonna be postable after. It's gonna be amazing. Jenna giving like a face. It's just gonna be awesome on the vivid Instagram later today. Man, people laughing. It's a, oh man, that's a good photo too. Yeah, people smiling. Oh man, that one was that one was blurry. Okay, <laughs> that one the camera failed me. It's crazy. It's got like pretty good default settings. The the thing is about the settings is that they actually inform the way we see the world around us. Do you know that? Like the same thing, the same item or environment can be captured by different people and based on the way they adjust their settings, they're going to see it different. Some see it with more color, some see it, if you get, maybe you've got an app, it's like, I'm just going to add some warmth to that. It was a little cold outside, but I like going towards that golden hour feel. Just a little more of the rich colors. Some will desaturate. They go, I, I don't want to see it too. Cold. There's settings that you can adjust that actually affect the way we see the world around us. Do you know, in our life, we do the same thing. But the, the, the lens that we look through is actually the lens of our heart. The lens of our heart is how we see the world around us. You know, for some, if our heart has been broken, we see the world in danger of consistently breaking our heart. For some, if our our heart has grown cold and cynical, we see every scene through that kind of off-putting angle that there's got to be something behind this that's Going on wrong. For some, if maybe we find our heart is easily excited, man, we just see the whole world is a cartoon. I want to see the world through that person's eyes. Like the whole world is this carnival going on. Whatever is happening with our heart, the settings of our heart actually affects the way that we see. Now, this is critical for us to understand because so often, People make decisions based on their heart. They're like, well, this is what my, my heart's telling me to do. But in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17 in verse 9, speaking of our heart, Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful over all things. Wow. Meaning that the default settings of our heart are actually set up to trick us. Like our heart's default settings for all humanity, for all mankind, this is the reality. Because we live in a sinful and fallen construct. As humanity is a broken people, even those who try really hard, even those who effort a lot, even those who seem to be born into the right kind of environment, born into the right kind of family, we still are subject to the fact that our own heart is deceitful over all things. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 puts it this way. It says there's a way that feels right, but in the end it leads to death. Meaning if we only ever follow the unction of our feelings, we are headed for a dead end. We're, we're headed, and some of us, man, we double down on those feelings, and we head at double speed towards what is promised to be a dead end. Because the heart plays tricks. And the heart, like it or not, in its default setting, is selfish. So today I want to talk to us from this perspective. As a person who's just as broken, just as fallen, just as flawed, just as imperfect as every beautiful face I'm looking at here today, the default settings of my heart are self-centered, sinful, and heading towards a dead end, just like yours. I want to talk to some people who still have their heart on its default settings. I also want to talk to some people who feel like somebody has picked up your heart and fiddled with all the knobs. And you say, I don't even know how I got here. My heart's so twisted up. My heart's so messed up and jacked up. I don't even see the world the same anymore. And for some, you've taken responsibility for that. You're like, I see the world wrong, but I I must have done something wrong. It's possible that that other forces, that other people, that other circumstances have come into your life and just messed up some of the knobs. Because other people whose hearts are also set on a default mode of selfishness, man, they get in your way, don't they? Just like we get in theirs. and, and, And sin corrupts. And the selfishness of others corrupts us, and then we make mistakes in response, and they make mistakes in reaction. And you can find yourself saying, I don't even know how to get like, that hard reset again. I need to go through the, the steps again and just like, reset my heart and get it back to the place that it ought to be. If you have your Bible with you, would you turn to the book of Colossians chapter 3? We're going to use this as a a bit of a launching pad today. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. It says this, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you and I have died, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Here, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Colossae, says this. You have a choice that you can make to adjust your settings away from the things that you are feeling, away from the rut that you've got yourself in, away from the pattern that you have exposed yourself to, and you can actually do an adjustment of the settings and set your heart on things that are above, not on earthly things. He goes on to say this. There's a little trick for us. If you want to get your heart there... Comes about where you put your mind. Says so we set our hearts on things above. How? By setting our minds on things above, not on earthly things. See, it's possible to live completely inundated with worry, anxiety, concern, dread, regret, shame, guilt, fear, comparison, discouragement, and we can live in this type of like rat race. Where our heart is is dragging behind us somewhere because our mind has decided to focus on something. I'm so lonely and I'm so alone and things aren't going the way I want. And I'm always gonna, and our heart just gets dragged along on the journey. We focus on the faults in others, and our heart gets dragged along into cynicism, dragged along into cold and hardness. But here the apostle Paul says this adjust your settings. Adjust your settings. It'll actually affect the way you see the world around you. If you'd set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things. And then it goes on to say this, because your life is hidden in Christ. You see, we often use this term in church, like inviting Jesus into our heart. Right? Jesus, like I make you the Lord of my heart. It's true. We do invite him. There's this image in scripture where it says he's knocking at the door of our hearts. And if anyone would hear him and open, he'll come and, and, and he will He'll, he'll share a meal with them. This is really intimate picture. Like Jesus wants to be in that secret place in your life, in that most intimate relationship in your life. But in this image, it says not only is Christ in us, but we're in Christ. Our lives have been hidden in Christ, meaning that the worries that the world is subject to, though they might be a reality to those who look at them, we can look at them through a new perspective, through a lens of Jesus, because our lives are hidden in Christ. So the, the anxieties, the, the fears that might grip the world around us, we have this opportunity, because our life is hidden in Christ, to view the world around us through a lens of what Jesus has done. We might, we might be uh, tempted to look at our past and see all our flaws and failures, but because our life is hidden in Christ, we look at the past and see a, a testimony of how good and faithful God is. we like, wow, I was really jacked up. But thanks to Jesus... I'm not being treated as my sin deserves. I'm not being treated based on what I deserve. I'm getting grace. See, this is, this is why the gospel is called the good news. But it requires an adjustment of settings for you and I. It requires an adjustment of settings. This week, uh, I, was, I was driving in my car. I hit on the brakes, and I, it had the most terrible, obnoxious, metal-to-metal grinding sound. It, uh, like it felt like it was gripping. It felt like it was, you know, not smooth, not quiet. And, and I realized I needed, to, I needed to fix the brakes in my vehicle because though it has the ability to get up and go, I really want to be able to stop it when I need to stop it. Are you with me? I mean, it's not like it's important that a vehicle, when you put the key in and turn the key, or if you're, if you're you know, bougie like that, you have the button that you can push. I've never, I've never personally been able to pass one of the buttons before one day in Jesus' name. But you turn that key, you press that button however you start your car. Maybe you got an antique and you crank it up. I don't know. But it's good to know that it can get up and go. It's good to know that it can start. But it's not really that good if it can start but not stop. Are you with me? There's something very important about the ability to stop when you need to. The same is true with our heart and our mind. It's good that your heart has the ability to feel some feelings. It's good that your heart, that there's some things that frustrate you. It's okay that there's some things that make you angry. It's okay there's some things that might get you excited and you go, oh, now I got to be patient. But you better be able to know that when you hit the brakes on that thought train, when you hit the brakes on that feeling train, that it's actually going to stop where you want it to, that it's not going to damage those around you, that it's not going to damage those who are in this car of life with you. someone know what I'm talking about? We need the ability to set some control on our heart. In the book of James, it says this, that that it's impossible to control your tongue because your tongue is connected to your heart. So if you try to control your tongue with the words you say here, you're going to fail 10 times out of 10. Like, nobody can do that. But what we can do is control what our heart is set on. And when you set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, it actually is going to affect not only the way you speak, but also the way you think, also the way that you act, and also the way that you interact. And so today I want to speak to the adjustment of those settings. If you're taking notes, write this down first. Feel compassion. Feel compassion. If you want to adjust your heart setting, feel compassion. You know what? Scrap that. Scratch out the word feel because this has nothing to do with feelings. Compassion is not a feeling. Don't just feel compassion. Write this down. Function in compassion. I think there's too many people who try to just follow the feeling of compassion, but if you don't function in compassion, your compassion is actually just called pity. And living a life of compassion that's not... Connected to action is kind of a pitiful way to live, to look around the world and just see, oh, man, there's just so much bad around me. Ugh. I feel terrible that the world is so terrible. If there's not connected to action, it won't actually adjust the settings of your heart. It will lead you down a, a siphon of discouragement. In the book of Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, Jesus, he encounters a man who who is a leper. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, he has leprosy, meaning he's lost the ability to sense pain and feeling. His skin is dead. And as a a byproduct, there's sores that are open and and festering and wounds that never get attended to because he can't even feel the pain. Uh, A leper was known like if you were to stub your toe, you wouldn't feel. You might have broken a toe and continue to walk on that toe. It led ultimately to a, a pretty terrible, isolated, lonely, sensory deprived way of living. A person with leprosy, because there was no known cure, was required to live on the outside of community. And not only that they were required to keep a distance, but they actually had to continue to create that distance by saying when people approached them, I am unclean. I am unclean. It's like warning, 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 warning. Wherever they went, because the thought was perhaps it is contagious and then there's no cure and then it's going to affect others. And so it was forced isolation. Nobody in society would approach, interact with, or get too close to someone with leprosy because what if they sneeze on me? What if they get too close? And then here's Jesus. The Bible says, Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. Check this out. A man with leprosy came to Jesus and he begged him on his knees, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and he touched the man. He said, I'm willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. This word indignant, other translations say this way, Jesus was stirred up with compassion. Like Jesus was moved. He felt something. He didn't just think something, he felt something. So feelings aren't bad. But if feelings don't lead to action, don't lead to the right type of actions, feelings are empty. So here Jesus feels something and that compassion he feels on the inside of him actually says this, he stretched out his hand. I think there's a principle for you and I, that the things that move our heart have to lead us to stretch our hand. Are you with me, somebody? If something is moving your heart, you better stretch your hand towards it and put some action behind it. If there's a brokenness in the world around you that stirs up your heart and stirs up your compassion, don't just sit there and be a critic of how dark the world is. Go shine some light into that area and stretch out your hand and do something. Come on. See, Jesus, he didn't just feel compassion. He functioned in compassion. I think one of the tricks uh, of, of our heart would be this, that by feeling something, you've, you've somehow done something. Just feeling pity is not actually doing anything. What happens, I think it's like our heart is getting a little inoculation, a little booster shot. Every time we feel something and put no action to it, we become a little more, a little more immune to that feeling. And what used to break our heart kind of barely stirs us up anymore. We need to start putting action to the things that make us feel. There might be somebody in your life who's hurting and broken and you thought somebody needs to do something. Every time you talk to them, you feel stirred up. Oh man, somebody needs to do something. I think that feeling ought to be for you and I a little triggered. We're the ones called to do something. Don't just feel compassion, function in it. It'll adjust the setting of your heart away from pity and towards empathy. See, it's possible to just feel pity for broken, but empathy has to move. It's a sincere feeling that leads to action. Oh, if we would be a people whose feelings would actually stir us to action. You I found that, that it's rare For a feeling to be so overwhelming that you have to act, it still requires a a choice. For Jesus, the choice was stretching out. For Jesus, the choice was stepping out of what was a societal norm. For Jesus, it was reaching out beyond a barrier that seemed to exist. For Jesus, it meant going somewhere that no one else was willing to go. Perhaps in our own lives, we can think of some applications, how compassion could stir us to similar sort of action. Number two, not only should we function in compassion, it's one of the ways our heart's settings can be adjusted to see the world the way that Jesus does. It's one of the ways that that we can set our hearts on things above. Since our life is hidden with Christ, he's one who feels compassion and it causes him to move, so ought we be. Number two, not only that, I want to challenge you and I to feel, come on, feel in your heart contentment. Feel contentment. Hold up. Scratch that out. It doesn't matter if you feel content. You need to find contentment. Contentment is not a feeling that will just just pounce on you. You wake up one day and you say, you know what? I'm so content. Contentment needs to be found. Contentment needs to be found. Go search for it. Put your bravery into it. Put your heart into it. Here's what Jesus says in the book of Luke, chapter 12. Turn there with me if you have a Bible. If not, you can jot it down or you can listen later on the podcast. Luke chapter 12 in verse 29. Is this okay? You with me this morning? Come on, let's be awake this morning. We've got a couple more minutes. Luke chapter 12 in verse 29 says this. As the crowd increased, Jesus said this. Huh, this is a wicked generation. It asks for signs, but none will be given except for the sign of Jonah. For as, uh, I think that's the wrong verse right there. That's chapter 11. So when you go back on the podcast, you can hear me stumbling. That's all right. Here we go. Luke chapter 12, (laughs) chapter 12, 9, 10, 11, 12, and verse 29. Luke chapter 12 and 29 says this, and don't set your heart on what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and then these things will be given to you as well. Interesting thought. The same word set. Meaning this, it's possible to dominate all your best energy, all your best courage, all your best creativity, all your best strategy around simply existing. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to live? What's my job going to be? What's my roommate situation? Do I have enough degrees for that? Do I have the qualifications for that? Am I satisfied? Am I comfortable? I don't know yet until I look at other people and see what they have. Then I'm going to gauge if I should feel satisfied and comfortable. I was feeling pretty good when I woke up until I, you know, you get something and you're so excited. You're like, check out my new pair of shoes. And someone else is like, awesome. Check out my new car. And you're like, I hate my shoes right now. You know what I'm talking about? See, contentment won't just sneak up on you. You have to seek it out. You have to find it. Here Jesus says this. It is a, it's a broken way of thinking to make your entire strategic plan, your whole life mission, every dream board you ever make is just about the things you're going to have. He says, no, no, no. That's, a, that's like a lost way of thinking. Instead, adjust your heart settings. Find some contentment. How do you do that? By seeking first the kingdom. By making your priority in the morning, Jesus, who would you have me be? Like, who's the person you're calling me to be? I don't know what I'm going to have. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what all I'm going to do. Who's the person you're calling me to be? To seek first his kingdom. Jesus has called us to be ambassadors of his kingdom. What a powerful thought. You say, but I'm not comfortable right now. I'm tired right now. I'd like to have more things right now. I haven't reached the goals I wanted to yet. And and, and it's so easy to find ourselves locked into this unending cycle of more, 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 more. And Jesus said, just pause for a second. If you make what I prioritize your priority, God knows what you need. And if you seek first the kingdom, all those things will be added to you. If you make it your priority, the person you're going to be, it's crazy how God was going to find a way to bless your life. He'll find a way to to get the right food into your life. Come on, somebody who's hungry. He'll find a way to get the right clothes, the right opportunities. I love the Bible. It's just just random little promise. It says God has the ability to open doors nobody can close. And he can close doors nobody can open. How good is that? That as you seek first God, he's just going, you know what? Yeah, you're doing a good. I'm just going to go get this door open for you. And there's an opportunity waiting for you. You just keep going in that path. You're going to find yourself accidentally walking right into your destiny. And you want to, you're just so focused on doing what God wants you to do, and you find, it, I did not think I would be here. This was not my plan. I didn't see this come up. I just had my eyes fixed on Jesus, and here I am. Because you know what? His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, just giving us the next step. And you say, God, I'm just going to take the next step. You called me to forgive, I'll forgive. You have called me towards patience, I'll be patient. You called me to choose joy, I'll choose joy. You called me to be. And the Bible says this. I love the Apostle Paul says in Philippians. He says this, I have a secret for you. It's the secret of contentment. How many people like a good secret? Anyone bad at keeping a good secret? (laughs) Here's one you don't have to keep. He goes, I found the secret. I've learned how to be content when I have lots, and I feel just as content when I have little. I've learned how to be content when everything's going my way, and I'm just as content when nothing's going my way. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ, who gives me strength. I can do it. I can do it. Turn to the person beside you. Say, I can do it. Oh, come on. You don't sound convinced. This is a secret. Whisper it like it's a secret. Say, I can do it. I can do it. That's the secret of contentment right there. A person who wants to find contentment, don't just feel content. That's a lie. That's a lie that one day you'll wake up, you'll have enough, and you'll just be like, I I overarrived. It's a lie. Nobody ever reaches that point. You don't reach that point by by attaining more. You reach that point by realizing that you have all you'll ever need already because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. He'll give you what you need to go through the hard times. He'll give you the energy you need to go through the tired times. He'll give you the wisdom you need to go through the confusing times. He'll give you the grace you need to go through the stretching times. He'll give you the rest you need to go through the times where it feels like you're being bombarded. He'll give you the relationships you need when you feel lonely. He'll give you the vision you need when you feel confused God is able to give you all that you need and if that's the truth man I want to seek first his kingdom I want to know the one who already knows what I need before I need it that's the secret of contentment you want to adjust your heart settings so that you see the world the way God would have you see it don't just feel content go find it go seek it out that's a decision each of us can make every day See, our default setting says, man, you just got to keep up with everyone else. But the truth is, God has a path for you that's unique. He's a path for you unlike anyone else. If you're following them, you're going to miss your own mark. Stay in your lane. Run your race. I love the apostle Paul. says this, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. He's like, I stayed in my lane. I ran, and I'm here. I'm a winner. God has called each one of us to live in that type of victory. Number three, if you're adjusting your heart settings with this, we close today. Number three, I want you to feel... Feel community. Feel community. Hold up, scratch that out. It doesn't really matter if you feel community. I think that's kind of a lie to say, I just feel like I'm in my community. Come on. You gotta fight for community. Fight for community. If it's something good, it's worth fighting for. Community doesn't come naturally unified relationships don't just happen without work you look at a marriage that you aspire to have you look at the, like the type of family like wow i don't know how they do it they fight for it that's how they do it wow they must have just picked like the really right person maybe but they fight for it yeah, right. do you know even if you pick the right person you got to fight for it even if you make all the right decisions it requires a fight i'm telling you community doesn't happen accidentally if it does it's not really unity it's just uniformity if it just it felt so natural that's not even what unity feels like unity is a fight community is something worth fighting for check this out in the book of first peter turn there with me first peter chapter 1 First Peter chapter one and verse twenty-two says this: Now that uh, you will have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. Meaning, not just when you feel like it, but you adjust that setting so your heart is always pouring towards loving one another deeply. In this in this translation, there's that same word of stretching. Crazy, right? It's a stretch. Love one another deeply. Now that you've found faith in God, awesome. But you better pour that into other people. Jesus was so uncomfortable with the thought of us separating the way we see him and the way that we see others that when someone asked him the question, what's the most important thing I need to do in my life? He said, this is the most important thing you need to do. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was not comfortable with the created dichotomy. I, I love God. I just—it's just people I don't like. Like I'm down with Jesus. It's just church people. Oh, man! You're talking about his bride right now. You're talking about the bride of Christ. Unity needs to be fought for. The Apostle Paul says he puts it this way. He says, "Keep the unity." of the spirit through a bond of peace. And he uses the word bond. It's the same word used for a ligament, meaning two forces that want to go separate ways. If that ligament is strong, it allows two very different forces to propel you forward. When I move forward, my femur and my, what's that one called? Tibia, they're moving in different directions. They both have muscles informing them to do the opposite thing, but it's the ligament around my knee that allows them to unite and propel me forward. See, that's what, that's what community is all about. Community is not, what I need to do is find a whole bunch of other femurs, because we all move the same. Us femurs need to stick together. We need a teamer of femurs. Come on. No, it's I'm going to find some people. They might think differently. They might act differently. They might be, be moved by different things. They might have passions that stir up in different ways. But if we're going to honor God, we don't just wait till we feel a warm and fuzzy community feeling. We fight for it. That means having conversation. That means saying sorry. That means extending forgiveness. That means letting people in on the secrets of how you tick, rather than sitting back and saying, nobody understands me. Help us. Give us a cheat sheet. It's not that we don't want to. That means giving people a second chance. Giving people, Jesus goes this far. He says, you know how many chances you should give people? Infinite. All of them. But how many chances should I give? If someone's repentant, give them all of the chances. All of them. Fight for it. Community is worth fighting for. You see, what will happen if you can fight for community? You end up with people who are walking alongside you that are going to see some things you don't. Because we have perspective that only allows us to see in one direction at a time. Are you with me? Come on. Really quickly here. I can see, like, if, if I follow my hand, I can see in my peripheral about here. Maybe I'm just imagining it, you know, and I can see all the way to about here. There's at least half of what's going on around me that I can't see. But I can also only see to about here and about here. Man, there's like the majority of what's happening in the world around me I can't see right now. Meaning, I need some people around me. If I'm going to try to do life alone, I'm going to miss everything that's going on. I'm going to have this skewed, narrow-minded perspective saying, well, I knew what was happening. No, you didn't. You know, I believe there's a lot of people who live lonelier than they ever should have because they were waiting to feel community. Like, I don't feel it yet. I guess I got to go find my tribe. Man, make your tribe. Make it. The unity of the Spirit. We have at least one thing going for us Jesus is on our side. At least one thing. Paul goes on to kind of segregate that into more things. He's like, you know, we have one faith, we've got one baptism, we've got one spirit. We've got one hope. He goes on, he's like, it's not just Jesus, but we could sum it up with that. Jesus, he saved us all, meaning we all had a dark past and we all have a bright future, meaning we were all desperately lost without him, but we are found in Christ. We've all been taken from death into life. Yeah, but I think differently politically. Politics is not what this is all about. I have different financial goals. It was never about money. I like eating different food. Well, go to a place that has a big menu. Find something you like. Stretch yourself. Stretch your palate. Eat something new. find. find it's, it's worth fighting for. I think there's people who live lonely and disengaged lives who are self-imposed loners. Self-imposed soloists. God never intended life to be a solo. It's a symphony. You've got to fight for it. But somebody offended me. What an opportunity for you to grow in unity. But they're moved, they do things differently than me. That's what, that's what ligaments are for, the bond of peace. I want to challenge us in the season to come as we get ready to launch new locations, do new things, reach more people, open up more opportunity for more people to be raised up. We're going to have to fight for community. We're going to have to fight for it. It won't come natural. It won't just be an outpouring of our feelings. We can adjust our heart settings so that it's not just a feeling thing. It's a fight. I wake up every morning with some of these thoughts on my mind. Jesus, as you move my heart, give me the courage to act on it. Jesus, I just want to be the person you want me to be. I don't care what I have. Little, lots. I mean, I'd like lots, but little, lots. I know the secret anyway. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Wake up every day. God, extend, extend this family. Extend this community. Give us unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. The people who look at us and see go, wow, that's a really different group of people, but yet they're all moving together. It makes no sense. You should hate them and they should hate you, and yet you're you're not only like casual workplace associates, you're friends. You're acting like family. You're extending grace to each other. You're growing in grace. It's worth the fight. The crazy thing is God has this picture for your life that's beautiful. You look at it and say it looks a little desaturated and bleak right now. Guess what? You just need to adjust the settings. Yeah, it's so out of focus, it's blurry. Adjust some settings. It starts here. Let's function in compassion. Let's find contentment. Let's fight for community. You're not intended to do this life alone. Whoever you are, would you bow your heads with me? We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.